Welcome to Less Than or Equal, the podcast about pursuing equality and geekdom. I'm your host, Aline Sims, and today I'm joined by Head of Development at Giant Space Cat, Brianna Wu, and games writer, Anna McGill. Now, before we get started, I just want to let you know that today's episode is explicit. It has some distressing themes surrounding Gamergate and some threats that Brianna has received. So I recommend that you don't listen to this with children in the room or if you're at work. And with that, let's get started. Welcome, you two wonderful people. Hey, what's Hi, up? Lee. Hey, Brianna. <laughs> hey, what's up? How are you? That's the question. I, I feel awesome. I just great. Uh, my yeah, life has I've just heard, been yeah. really uncomplicated calm. for the last. Very calm. Yeah, very calm. So boring. I wish you would do things. Anything really. <laughs> I know, right? At all. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Um. May because your listeners may not know about yeah. this. We need um, context. Yeah. Yeah. So I will try to tell this long, convoluted, operatic tale as oh. quickly as I can. Um, Sing it so, if you can. <laughs> right. I will. I don't think I'm good. Are do you that. a soprano? Um, alto? No. Yeah, no. 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 Okay. I, I'm a. I'm a. Don't do that. Because <laughs> I have self-esteem. Um. What was I going to say? Uh. So you were telling on, us. Yeah. Right. On uh, Thursday, um, I had the great idea to antagonize a chant. So basically a listener of my show, um, Isometric, um, basically emailed me with these uh, memes that, you know, they had made. And um, it was just some of my tweets like snarked up and put in this dumb little meme. And I was like, ha ha ha, I'm going to post that to my Twitter because like, if you know anything about Brianna, it's that I'm addicted to Twitter in a really sad way. So entertaining. Right. Yeah. 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 So I post this and uh, apparently 8chan slash Gamergate did not think it was as funny. As I did. Um, so on Thursday, like I did that th- that morning, like just posted these six images making fun of Gamergate. And then uh, later that evening, I'm like, hey, I wonder if anyone else made any of these memes. And I go and I look at it and I see like they have Gamergate slash 8chan has created like thousands of memes all of them attacking me attacking like women attacking you know basically this um you know the woman that is like their ideal enemy that's kind of against them so they make thousands and thousands of these memes and some of them have like violent overtones some of them name me by name um and i was scared i was really scared right off the bat because when you have 4chan slash 8chan going after you who knows what will happen right um so i get scared um i post a few things to my twitter about being scared with the scariest ones and then they start like completely making fun of me more and they're like, how dare you be scared? There's no reason for you to be scared. And they start making more memes about me being scared. And it escalates and it escalates and it escalates into um, Friday evening. I ended up getting some extremely serious, very serious death threats um, sent to me. And this happened at the same time that someone in the 8chan Gamergate chat room uh, doxed me, meaning they put out my home address, they put out my phone number, they put out you know, my name, uh, you know, basically identifying information about me. 
um, immediately after that, I had an entire slew of death threats. Uh, Anna, how would you characterize them? You, you've read them, so I, I, I did it. I've, I've, they were retweeted like seven thousand times. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. pretty much that. They were vile. Uh, they were cruel. They were intended to terrify you. That was their sole purpose. And they were targeting yeah. you because you were a feminist. And that was made very, yeah. very clear. Yep. Um, yep. It was clear that they got them from that, that 8chan room, that, that yep. they had seen them there, that they, it was in retaliation for you speaking out. I mean, those are the things that were crystal clear from this. Yep. And they were violently, violently horrifying. Yep. I, I would have been terrified if I had received those. I, I would have done exactly what you did. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, I called the police and, uh, you know, the FBI is involved at this point. The, uh, cyber crime unit here in Boston is involved at this point. Uh, the local police are involved. Um, you know, I don't want to talk about an ongoing investigation, you know, in specifics, but I can tell you, you know, law enforcement is involved. So, good. you know, and as of right now, my Twitter, my email has been blowing up. Um, in, in good ways and bad ways. I mean, I've definitely been getting a lot of support, but it's scary because right now I have Reddit. I have an entire sticky thread of Reddit that's dedicated to going after me, calling me a liar about this. Oh God, it's, it's so bad. Yeah, um, People were trying to tweet me proof that you had manufactured these accusations. <laughs> right. First of all, wasting their breath trying to tweet to me because, right. you know, i I follow you closely. I know what goes on in your life from moment to moment. And so if they're trying to circle a timestamp on a tweet and tell me that that's, that you somehow saw the future, that was the proof they were presenting me <laughs> with. Uh, right. It, that tweet is out there. It's so patently absurd. I mean, that, that anyone could actually fall for it was kind of mind boggling to me. And my thought was when I saw it, are they even trying? I mean, that, that right. was yeah. my thought. Yeah. Are they even credibly trying to, to debunk this? Um, or are they just desperate to find any excuse for why, you know, they don't have to take responsibility for it? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's what is strangest to me. I mean, we live in a political climate with a lot of, you know, cognitive dissonance. And you have some people, they're on one side or the other, and they just will not hear anything that criticizes their side. And, you know, this to me is what's terrifying about Gamergate is it's very, very, very clear that I, I have to say a majority of pro-Gamergate people that have tweeted me, a vast majority of pro-Gamergate people that have tweeted me are A, more upset that I'm talking about their movement in a negative term, and B, don't want to believe that their movement could have done anything wrong. So it's like, oh, it's a few bad apples. Oh, this isn't our fault. Oh, you, you made it up. Oh, you're lying. The tweet Let didn't me... say Gamergate, right. so right. it is not right. associated with their movement. Right. Yeah. I'm literally watching the 8chan Gamergate chat room. And by the way, 8chan was created by the people that got thrown out of 4chan for talking about Gamergate. So, like, 8chan is Gamergate central. It's for nothing else but Gamergate. And, like, I, I, unless, like, magically I got doxxed at the same moment I got a death threat. Like, it's like, what are you even talking about? It's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I mean, it. 
if they admit that the threat is real and if they admit that it came from their group, then they have a problem to deal with. And I think that's not something they're prepared to confront. Be you know, and, and that's what it really boils down to. And they are so desperate to not believe that it's true. I mean, someone tweeted they would rather believe a conspiracy than believe that a woman is telling the truth about her. You know, and I, I think good people and bad people do this too. You know, I, I don't want to say that that attitude is limited to the people in Gamergate because it's absolutely not. You know, Anita Sarkeesian just spoke about this. You know, the best thing you can do to help women is believe them when they tell you what's happened. So we're watching that unfold here, uh, unfortunately. I think in the internet age, that tendency has gotten so much more pronounced. Like, I like Apple products. I have an iPhone, but there are certainly some Apple people that will not hear anything bad about Apple. It's that way with the Android. And there are people in the political party that I tend to vote for that are that same way and don't want to believe that their president or whoever might be president of that party would do anything wrong. And, you know, this is, this is something that all of us have. I mean, I don't want to like characterize it as, oh, it's those people. This is part of the human condition. It's hard to see fault in the things that you believe in. But, you know, yeah, loving something honestly is, you know, admitting that fault. So, and I just have to say one more thing. Like, this is what really frustrates me. And Anna, you can really speak to this. Okay. You know how small a world game dev is. And if I were to go out there and to make up some stuff like this, and like, it's proven, it's proven, like an uh, article ran Kotaku, I showed them my correspondence with the FBI. The FBI is involved. So if I did make this up, you can entirely expect me to be arrested at some point about making it up. Oh, absolutely. So it would destroy my entire career. If I did that, it doesn't make sense at all, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's what I said. I mean, the I couldn't even dignify the accusations they were they were throwing around last night. I'm like, this is it's just beyond ludicrous that someone would even suggest that. You know, just use Occam's razor. What is more likely here? <laughs> yeah, I seriously. Yeah, what is more to... likely? Yeah, the same thing happened to me that happened to Zoe and Anita Sarkeesian like one month right. and one month ago, or I came up with a whole elaborate plan. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> You know? and, and they fell into your trap by creating right. that room and <laughs> yeah. doxing you and how clever of you Brianna I'm oh. impressed with your evil masterminding well it was um, just Brie right in that chat room just right right just I think just all her I'm behind HM actually wow so, yeah. heard it here first yeah you yeah. are the evil villain of our age as I've always <laughs> that's true that's true but you touched on a point that I, I, I've been thinking about a lot recently. I mean, people send us questions, and a, a lot of them were, of course, Gamergate related. And basically, they're like, how can we solve this problem? Which I think is really ambitious thing to ask us to, to take on in the course of an, an hour-long podcast. Um, but I, for me, when I was thinking about it, people are like, well, this side did this, and this side did that other thing. I, I feel like we've fallen into a false equation here. Because people are, are presenting it as there being two movements, and there aren't. There is this movement called Gamergate, which is this loose conglomeration of different ideologies. And then there's everyone who doesn't believe in that, which is the rest of the world. It's not a side. 
It's it's not a side. It's it's just people who look at what's happening with Gamergate and say, hey, my conscience says that this isn't a good thing and I don't want to be part of this. And I think by making this false war here, by saying it's us or them, you know, and they've, they've made it into anti-Gamergate and Gamergate, people feel like they don't have a choice. It's like, well, if I'm not Gamergate, then I have to be on, you know, an SJW or something. And it's not true. You can just look at what's going on with the movement and say, I want to see some changes in journalistic ethics, but I don't want to be part of that. And I think once people get into that mindset and realize that there are other roads that they can take that will be far more effective and have not been smeared with this ugliness at this point, that, that hopefully they'll, they'll take that road and they won't keep on this bus that is heading over a cliff. Right. So, I mean, I have some, can I comment on that a little? Oh, absolutely. uh, So, so Gamergate, this is what I've realized because I've spent more time in the 8chan chat room than I've ever spent in my entire life. I've never even heard about it until two days ago. I would actually recommend it because I found it very illuminating about how these people think. So... I genuinely do believe that the average Gamergator slash 8chaner does genuinely believe that they are not against women. What they do believe, and what Gamergate is absolutely 100% against, is what they pejoratively call us as, you know, SJWs. Like, it is it is expressively it's it is so fiercely against women like me and you Anna that stand up talking about these issues in our industry just wanting things to be a little more equal and they see it as this radical insane frankly stupid agenda that is to be laughed at and mocked and they have nothing but hatred for it and they are able to separate the hatred of a movement that you know is about giving women in this industry equality from their concept of women. So do do you see what I'm saying there? It's oh, that completely. dichotomy in their mind. That's yeah. how they can say in the same breath that well, you know, I, I like women. I'm all for women's equality, but I don't want these women who are talking about equality to be part of this. Right. This right. Just world. not these women. I like right. women. Yeah. Just, I just don't like these women. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I mean that's been true since the dawn of time, right? You know, ever since feminism was a thing, uh, there's always been people who are like, you know, I have no problem with giving women the vote, but I just don't like the way these women are going about it. Right. right. You know, um, I don't know. No, I really, I really agree with that. I, 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 what I didn't realize until I had this job um, is... I I feel like I am living this cycle of history, like literally in my life right now, because you can look at history, you can look at like first wave feminism or second wave feminism, and you can look at this pattern that women go through, like some women stand up and they don't want to die in fires at the shirtwaist, you know, factory where they're working. They want better conditions and they want doors where they can escape with the fire. And people don't like these uppity women and they don't like their tone and the way they're going about it or women trying to get the right to vote. It's the same, same, same theater that happens over and over again. And I feel like we've kind of started to unlock it with this concept of privilege 
which I think is this really powerful like virus that makes people aware that frankly, you know, this straight white male default perspective might not be the only perspective. I, I feel like we're starting to crack this terrible cycle of history, but I mean, we're living it out right now. Yep. Well, I felt that way over the past couple of months, especially, you know, after Ferguson, you know, I learned about the civil rights movement in school, but it was always presented as this thing happening in the past. And then I've always lived in predominantly white communities. It's not something I thought about. It's just how things happened. And I didn't think about it until Ferguson started happening. And then I'm sitting here slack jawed saying, what are we talking about? You know, this, the former civil rights movement, this is happening right now in 2014 and and it's been very fascinating to me as this has been going on in parallel to what we're facing in the tech industry and in the gaming industry with Gamergate at the same time it's like I'm watching both of these struggles at the same time and around the world I mean it's it's not just here in the U.S. we're very focused on that because we're part of it but I mean you can just look around the world at all these different countries and see people are having revolutions everywhere I read an article positing that if you added these all up together, technically we are in World War III right now. There, wow. are, there are skirmishes all around the world. There is warfare everywhere on the globe right now. This is World War III. So We're just fighting ourselves. Yeah, yeah, or it's class warfare to a certain extent. It's racial warfare to a certain extent. And certainly it's the ongoing battle of the sexes, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I, I mean... If you just you have to add them up though, it's the aggregate of it. Um, but it starts to put it into perspective though when you realize that there's that much happening. There's so many hot spots around the world that I mean, it's burning, <laughs> and we're just we're in one small section of the fire where we are. And I mean, let's be honest, we're in a pretty privileged part of the fire ourselves. Very privileged. Yeah. I have asked myself over and over again if I were a black woman right now, if Kotaku and Polygon would be writing these articles and i don't think they would and i don't think the police would take me seriously and you know that is privilege and i think the most constructive thing i can do is to you know, use that voice to you know help all women not just you know white women so i don't know yeah so do we want to do we want to talk about some questions I will answer any questions you have. Or Anna, do you? Yeah. I draw the line at some of them, but right. we'll see okay. where it goes. Oh. <laughs> so, um, so for some background this morning, Anna put out there on Twitter that we were going to be talking tonight and asked people to submit some questions and then sent them over to Bree and myself. Um, and some of them are, um, wow, super intense. <laughs> and some of them are, um, what's your favorite breakfast pastry? So, you know, we, we have a spectrum. That's yeah. the one I struggled with the hardest. I just want you to know. That's, that's the one I couldn't think of the answer for. Oh, no, like, Anna. Oh, but, Do you yeah. have like a top 10 list? I, I narrowed it down for you guys. I oh. narrowed it down. I'm like, you know, you have to look at the behavior because like in theory, I like all of these pastries. <laughs> but what is it that I actually eat the most of? Mm-hmm. And the, the answer is top pot raspberry old fashioned donuts from that place in Seattle. Oh, so oh. good. Oh. Bree, do you have a favorite pastry? Uh, no. 
In no. fact, I'm I'm switching over to Soylent as we speak, so I'm packing my whole body so yeah, I don't that, even have to eat. Yeah, that doesn't count as a breakfast pastry. No, it does no. not. So yeah. Hey, you don't know that. Uh, that's true. That's true. You don't know what that person ate. <laughs> you have no idea. Okay. Um. All right. So let's start with since all of this kind of happened around around Twitter, a lot of the conversation I've seen has been happening on Twitter and Facebook too. Um, But something that I've been intensely um, angry about is the policies that Twitter has and the way that they handle harassment like Brie received. Um, You know, I know several people tried to report that account as abusive or a harasser or whatever, and they received an email from support saying, nope, this didn't happen to you. We can't report it. Um, so what do you two think that Twitter can do to help fight against the kind of behavior that um, we've seen over the last 24 hours? I, I think this is where, um, you know, before I was a developer, I was a journalist. And I think this is where uh, I have to say, let me finish working with Twitter and then I'll have an informed opinion on this rather than just, you know, supposing about it. Um, I think so I I don't know how good Twitter is at this stuff yet. Um, I can tell you they emailed me this morning. Um, I can tell you, you know, the police are ostensibly going to work with Twitter. So I don't I don't know that yet. Um, I could say with other features, I, I think there's a lot of common sense steps that Twitter could take to make women safer. But I, I have to be honest, I don't think they're the, the center of this particular issue. So Anna might have a different perspective on that. I just might. Um, Polygon put out an article today about, you know, what Twitter can do and why it's not to their advantage to solve this problem. I I strongly recommend reading that article if you really want to understand the business side of what they gain by allowing people to harass what statistically is revealed to be mostly women and minorities. Um, It's there's there's no advantage for them. The numbers soar if they allow it. So they'll let someone have just enough control to sort of limit the amount of harassment so they can maintain engagement with their audience and the community, but not enough they can actually get these people off and lower the numbers. And in fact, the more accounts these people create and the more engaged they are in spamming, I mean, it just looks good for Twitter and their stockholders to have that activity there. So they don't have a lot of incentive to make things better. I will say that in the past, I have reported tweets, um, and it felt to me much like certain Facebook policies that it, it's someone was looking at it with a very different eye than I was. There was a guy who was spamming uh, female game developers, uh, telling them he could get us all roles as hookers in you know GTA Five. I'm like, gee, thanks. Oh, that's, that's... flattering. I, yeah. Were you not flattered? Um, it is my life's ambition. Okay. <laughs> I. Isn't it everyone's? Someday, well, apparently all female game developers have that dream, and this this guy sensed that somehow. Um, But he was very determined to let us know about it, and he would he would pop up out of the blue, like with a new account, like six months later, and spam the same question at the same women. And finally, like the third time he did it, I'm like, okay, Joker, you know that's enough. And I reported him, and they wrote back saying that they didn't see anything abusive about that particular kind of tweet. Like he was offering me a job in all sincerity. How dare I be offended? 
I just find that hilarious. Um, but, you know, someone looked at that with a very different eye. And I do admit that when you're on the receiving end of this behavior, it does feel a lot more threatening than it looks to someone who has no dog in that fight, right? You know, because it's not aimed at them. Yeah. Right, right. So, yep. yeah, I, 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 I think there are things that they could do. Um, I oh, would there are recommend... clearly things I can do. I mean, yeah. And yeah. I would just point to that Polygon article because all the things he listed were things I was like, yeah, that makes sense to me. So, well, and some of the things he referred to in that article, um, he referenced um, something that um, Daniello Campos, I apologize if I totally butchered that, wrote about um, in July um, after Dick Costello had, there was that Ask Costello Twitter hashtag thing and he got so many, like, I was one of them, like, what are you going to do about this? Um, but he wrote an article with what I thought were some really good suggestions, like block all users who accounts, like allowing users to block users who accounts are less than 30 days old. Um, block users whose follow counts are less than whatever threshold user set. Like, Brie, I've seen you say something about, like, I know if you've got an, a new account with a high volume of tweets and you have fewer than 200 followers, that you're not adding a, anything of value to this. Um, right, right, right. You know. Well, I don't think that was exactly what I said, but I was showing a list of people that were, frankly, harassing me. And, um, you know, it's like you could look at it. It was all new accounts that they started. It had, like, anime women you know, lot, yeah like or eggs like, like, or yeah eggs. or eggs <laughs> Pretty or anime eggs. eggs yeah it was very predictable so i mean i certainly think twitter can i certainly think twitter can do better i guess i'm saying what i'm about to find out is how cooperative twitter is at working with law enforcement when there's a credible threat and law enforcement wants them to go through and dig up those IP addresses and to point people in the right direction. That is what I'm about to find out. And, you know, I have to admit, I don't have really high hopes that Twitter is going to be awesome, given their track record. And I will let you know. I hope they are. I, I hope do. they are, too. I mean, I do, too. Because they're enabling abuse. I'm just flat out, they're enabling abuse if they yeah. don't do something. Yeah. Well, I mean, didn't they intervene in the, the Caroline Fiato Perez case in the UK, right? I mean, that was through Twitter that she was threatened, wasn't it? So they had to have helped authorities in that situation. Yeah, uh, yeah I think yeah. so. but Yeah, and there were consequences. I mean, the guy who sent the worst of the threats, who I hilariously called himself a feminist. Right? Um, oh, oh, that whole thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, he's he's going to do time for this. I mean, it's being taken very seriously over there, and obviously with a result like that, you know, Twitter understands that these are, at least in certain countries, viewed as actual crime. So I, I'm interested to see how it turns out. I think we need to start seeing some, some consequences for this. At this point, no one that I know of has really received any sort of major punishment for doxing and harassing someone on that scale. And can we just, just for a second, step back, talking about that case, that guy thought he was flattering her. Oh, my God. He thought he was flattering her by sexually harassing her over the Internet. I just I, I read this like a month ago and my mind is still blown. So Since he sincerely believed that or he no. was just saying that as a defense. Well, I don't know. But but yeah, I had no idea that what I was doing was wrong. I thought I was flattering her. 
guys like that see us as sex objects and not people. And our entire worth is if we, you know, fulfill some sexual need inside of them. Like, that's the extent to which they value us. So I actually don't find that a very surprising statement. Like, you have to see someone as a person to be able to have empathy for them, right? I mean, you know. Oh, that's dispiriting. <laughs> Can can I just say one thing really quickly? Um, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to do this like false equivalence thing or anything, but I I do have to say with Ferguson going on right now, I think you know, you were talking about like it being World War 3 right now. I I think Twitter is a force for amazing amounts of good. And Ferguson is not a story that would be covered without Twitter. Uh, I mean, it's, it's something the mainstream media is still ignoring and I, I watch it every single night. So, you know, it's led for, it's led to uprisings and other places. And I just, I think like it is this amazing human thing that we've created that has a potential for good. And I just, I, I completely agree with all the criticism you just said. I just want to keep that in mind. So no, fair enough. I mean, I always get my news from Twitter now. Yeah, when something breaks on Twitter, I know it's going to be hours before anyone else who's not on Twitter knows about it. It's always um, that lag is absolutely amazing to me now. Yep. You know, do you, I mean, do you think Kotaku and Polygon and Boing Boing and any of these places would have covered you know me getting these threats without Twitter? I mean, no, of course not. No. So, nope. yeah, and I, I mean, you guys know how much I'm on there. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm on there. All the time. And I tweet about everything. You know, I, I tweet pictures of my hair and my cats and I I chastise Twitter for like seemingly doing nothing about things like this. So, you know, I've got I, I love Twitter. I've made, you know, my best friend, my uh, my matron of honor at my wedding. I met on Twitter like Twitter is a powerful force in my life and I love it. But there's definitely room for improvement. You know, they need to step it up. They do. They absolutely do. Yeah. Can I say why well, I was at Twitter this year for WWDC? It was a lot of dudes there. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. Well, so. so I went through last night and tweeted um, like everybody on the executive board list. And I believe there was one woman and on the board uh, out of, I don't know, like a dozen people I I spammed. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that they need to get even if they they bring people on in an advisory role, you know, I will do it. Pay me a dollar. I will do it. Fly me to San Francisco whenever these meetings happen and I will tell you where you're going wrong. Like but but they need to start they need to start somewhere. They need they need to start doing more. They have to. Because people are, you know, in the geek community and I know this isn't everybody, but you know, there's a lot of discussion on Facebook. You know, my Facebook friends saying I don't know. I'm thinking about leaving Twitter now after really? last night. Yes. Wow. Yes. And so, you know, maybe that won't be enough to make an impact. But, you know, the people who are thinking about leaving are people like me, you know, who who tw- put out a thousand tweets in a week, you know. So I don't know. I mean, maybe there will be like real bottom line ramifications for them if they don't. Yeah. I mean, that's what it will take, obviously. Um, Again, I just don't think the incentive is really there. I mean, they are a business, and I think we sometimes forget that because they present this sort of cushy, feel-good community to us. But, I mean, it's it's dollars at the end of the day, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, so let's let's talk a little bit more about solutions. So something that my friends have been asking me and a lot of the questions that Anna got was, so I am a male um, of mostly white, I'm assuming, but I am a male. Um, I may or may not be involved in gaming. Um, how can I help support the women in the community? And as we've addressed, um, as Anna said, you know, Anita Sarkeesian said it so well, the biggest, most important thing you can do is to believe us when we tell you these stories. But what else, what else can women do or what else can men do to help support women? I I think something that really bothers me, um, I've told this story before, but not to you, was um, I was talking to someone that you know, my company had a professional uh, relationship with, like they were, they were a partner and I had gotten, uh, this was, I, I can't even remember what it was. I'd gotten just a ton of harassments and threats that week. And I was, I was talking to a guy at that company about this and um, he's like, Oh, that sounds awful. Who do you want me to beat up? What do you want me to do? And I'm like, and I'm like, no, no, I just need you to like add your voice to to mine. I just need you to help me speak up and raise consciousness on this. And he just laughs and he goes, Well, I don't know if that's possible for me to speak louder than you. <laughs> oh, and, nice, nice. and it was so clear that this person saw my harassment as a women's problem. It's like Oh, that's Oprah and bridal showers and don't have to think about that. You know, like goes in this nice little compartment. And the opposite is absolutely true. We will never, ever, ever, ever make headway on this issue unless men stand up and help us. It is just a simple fact. So what we need is we need for men out there to, when you see your guy friends, like, talking like jerk stores or objectifying women or harassing people. I mean, raise your own consciousness and realize that your perspective as a male is not the ultimate perspective. And listen, like the female perspective is not the ultimate perspective either. It's, it's just a different perspective that comes from life experiences, but recognize that your perspective is not the only perspective. And, you know, raise your consciousness on some of these issues on harassment on you know what what constitutes sexual objectification what what why women like if you're 20 something go to clubs in giant groups because you're terrorized you're terrified of you know violence i mean raise your consciousness on this stuff learn how to be a better ally and go spread the word like you have a peer influence that none of us here will ever have in a million years i've seen my husband do this like a guy is acting obnoxious and he'll just say hey dude knock it off and it's amazing to me because i could never talk to a girlfriend that way and but it's so effective and it's just a way that they communicate that we don't have the power to do yep i hope that wasn't too rambling no no i mean and i think you hit all of the points or at least most of them that i would make um, I, a big one for me is allies educating themselves. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how wonderful it is when someone says to me, Anna, can you give, can you point me towards some resources? You know, they're not like, can you explain feminism to me? 
you know, they're just like, I want to learn more about this. Can you point me in the right direction? I'm always very happy to do that. I mean, I think everyone knows that my, my stance on this is, you know, I'm, I'm all about educating people. I, I really want everyone to understand what it's like. I want everyone to, to get along and to be treated fairly. That is my platform. If that's a terrible thing, then I'm willing to, to go down with it. But I mean, I, I, I appreciate people speaking up, you know, even if it's just quietly in their own circle of friends because they don't feel comfortable doing it. That's enough. I mean, it's like that line from Candide, cultivate your own garden, make the world just around you a little bit of a better place. And you've done something good. You know, eventually those those little patches are all going to come together and we're going to have paradise. Right. That's the idea anyway. Um, but, yeah, so that's a big one for me is, is not demanding the time and energy from from women who are fighting a lot of battles to 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 train you to educate you when it's something you could easily do um and speaking up is important and i think a, a big one for me is letting women fight their own battles to a certain extent you know not always jumping in because you trust that i can take care of it you know there'll be times when i'm i'm trying to explain something to someone online because i think that there's we're both going to end up better off for it. Like we're working through a process and people start jumping in and they're trying to help, but it just changes the tone immediately to one of hostility. And that's a lesson that we both failed to learn that day. I mean, who knows where that, that could have gone. So I feel like sometimes, you know, if people want to help, there also has to be that trust that, I mean, Brie is badass as hell. One of the questions <laughs> I got was, why are you so awesome? <laughs> you know, I, if she's so awesome, let her do her thing. Right. And, you know, if you if she asks for help, if she's like, hey, I'm in trouble here, I'm being dogpiled, you know, then then jump in. I that's that's when you're useful. I think that's well said. However, yeah. I was I I was really heartened to see how many people want to help. And, and there's just this feeling of impotence because there's so much. I mean, for men and women, both just not knowing what to do in situations like the one you went through last night. I mean, what can anyone do in those circumstances? And, you know, the answer is raise awareness, uh, talk to Twitter, you know, let people know that this happens. And I, that's, that's it. There's nothing more that we can do. That's a frustrating reality. So sorry, everyone who wanted a, a step-by-step plan. Right. Well, and it's going to depend upon who you are and what your personality is. And, and all these things. But I always say step zero is recognizing, like Bree said, step zero is recognizing that your perspective is not the only perspective and it is not the only valid perspective. And I think the people listening to this show are, are probably there. If you're not, you know, someone pointed you here and, you know, please get there. Yeah, I have a feeling a lot of people listening to this show are tuning in to hear Brianna talk about yeah. what happened to her last Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Absolutely. you'll probably get a, a different kind of audience than you would normally oh, yeah. get for a show. Oh, yeah. yeah. My audience is all, it's preaching to the choir. But but my hope is that um, that what it'll turn into eventually is is a resource where people can say, okay, we'll go to this episode and this episode and this episode and learn how wrong you are about this thing. And um, I want to get some resources up on the website and, and that kind of thing. And yeah, but I'm, I'm definitely, we're preaching to the choir with this kind of thing for sure. Um, well, I mean, it's interesting too, though. I mean, you're talking about resources. I mean, the, 
the women doves that I've been talking to recently, and I posted this on Twitter, it, it, we're all talking about how to stay safe. We're swapping tips for, you know, two-factor authorization and what are the best kind of passwords and what program do you use and how do you protect this information? What do you do when you're doxxed? I mean, this is the kind of stuff, it's like all those rape prevention tips they give women, right? You know, walk down the middle of the street, carry a whistle, all this stuff. It's the same kind of stuff. Because that's what we're talking about. That's what the women devs I know are talking about. And the male devs, the men devs, are not to the same extent at all. And I'm like, this is yet another way. This is another obstacle that women face. That our energy gets drained away on these basic survival things. And we don't have the same amount of it to give to our work and to our creativity. And it's not fair. No. It's yeah. Not. So, yeah. Yeah. Preach yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> It's not fair, guys. It's not. <laughs> but yeah. it's not. You know, there's this other podcast called uh, Accidental Tech Podcast. I love and ATP. Yeah. And, yeah, people have called, like, there's some similarities between John Syracuse and me, just in the way we think. We're very direct people. We're very opinionated. But sometimes John Syracuse will start going on topics. I'm so envious of him that he has so much free time to not worry about all this feminist shit and can just go out there i'm sorry i didn't mean to curse he can he can do his job and just not worry about it and that is god i mean my ultimate goal with the industry and everything i'm trying to get done is just to have women able to just do their jobs right there alongside the men and just be treated with a little bit more equal a level of respect like that is all I'm trying to go for. And I'm so jealous. Of Same here. And it, and it, it happens in, in a variety of ways. I mean, I, I won't mention the company, but I worked at a company once um, where I had to work out strategies with my coworkers for getting my voice heard at meetings because I, I would say something and the, the person in charge would just tune me out. And if the person after me or person farther down the table said the exact same thing, like verbatim, because we tested this, then suddenly it was a great idea. And I know a lot of women have experienced that, but I think it was the first time that the men around me noticed it too, because it was so obvious. Like he wouldn't make eye contact with me. That is amazing. I can't I, even I, process that. I'm not surprised. It was really bizarre. I It was the weirdest situation I'd been in. And so we worked out strategies for getting my ideas heard. But, you know, it's very frustrating to be at a meeting, hearing your ideas being presented by other people who are trying to help you, but not being able to take credit for them, you know, not being able to own them. And there's just, I don't know a lot of guys who've been through that. And I want to say for the record, as bad as it is for me going through that, it is even worse for people of color. And I just cannot even imagine I mean, I've, I've been talking to someone who's trying to navigate his way through the industry, and he's like, I have no role models. He's like, you tell me, where are the black men in the games industry for me to look up to who can mentor me? And I'm like, there's no one. I can't think of anyone. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's got to be so tough. And I, I often think about what it's got to be like to be a black woman that wants to work in the games industry. I can't even. Oh. I just, I can't even think about a world where Anna, like, you have a co-worker that isn't like, Anna has an idea, this must be awesome. I need to go know this right now. I just can't even, I want to just smack that dude with a pizza box. It's just <laughs> like, pay attention, man. It's a lot more complicated than that. I mean, it, yeah. it, 
politics plays such a major role in the games industry. And that's why when people are like, keep your politics out of my games, I laugh hysterically. It's all like, politics. I have to like go into a closet and shut the door and just laugh until I, I calm down because it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. It's very political. It's like any any bureaucracy, any industry, you know, you have to learn to play the game. And some people have advantages and some people don't. And to pretend that those politics aren't already there and the people like you, Brianna, or me are, are bringing politics into it, into this pristine Eden where there was no such thing before. Is, <laughs> I, I, like, I don't know how people can say that to me with a straight face. I, I, I mean, I don't know how to react except with laughter when they say that. Well, how naive. How naive to think there there are politics everywhere. I go to the grocery store and it, there's some kind of political something with someone there. Like, that's just life. You know, and I think the, the issue is creative freedom. I mean, they're like, I don't want you to prevent people who make the kind of games that I make from doing the kind of work that I like, which is fascinating to me because I'm not. But I've actually been prevented from making the kind of things I want to make by people who don't think that that belongs in a game. So my my creative freedom is no one's defending that, you know. Where are these people screaming about that for me? Well, I mean, it would be one thing if I were sitting here in the industry. I'm like, I feel really passionate about the earned income tax credit. And I'm going to boycott any game company that doesn't have an earned income. I mean. My radical agenda is to not have the shit beaten out of me on a daily basis and to be treated with respect and to have the same, sort of the same, because let's be realistic, like more of the same opportunities when going through the venture capital system or working with partners to be treated with sort of the same respect. Because Jesus, I got to tell you, I'm not. That's that's my radical political agenda. I mean, it's 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 crazy. I I know just wanting the same opportunities and chances as everyone else. It's crazy talk. Stop it. It's crazy talk. Um, what was I going? Oh yeah, when I spoke at, at PAX a couple of years ago, uh, I did a a panel with the inflammatory title "Everything We Know Is Sexist." Um, <laughs> And and we were just talking about how people don't even realize, you know, that a lot of the things they they create are sexist because they're just so used to relying on those tropes, you know. And and you can make much more creative and interesting stuff by playing around with those. That was really the gist of the panel. But one of the things we mentioned, uh, we showed statistics from the the games that were released through the past few years, in particular console games. And even as they were diversifying the types of titles that were being released, so there were a lot more in the other category, for example, like Connect games and stuff, the number of shooters was also increasing. So it's not a zero-sum game. It's not like, you know... They make games, you know, like Gone Home and everyone stops making shooters. It's I, it's just not going to happen. You know, there's a market for shooters. They're going to make shooters. And that's great. I, I just, I don't under, I mean, one of the agendas I have seen for Gamergate is to get rid of, you know, SJWs and their influence on games entirely. And to get rid of things that aren't games like, you know, Gone Home. And I'm like... What does it affect you that those are there? I, I don't understand why we can't have both. I, that's where it all falls apart for me. 
Yeah, and it's not like the the dev pool is going to decrease. The people who are interested in producing shooters are going to produce shooters, and the people who are interested in producing games like Gone Home are going to do that. We'll just stop maybe chasing people out of the industry and have a larger pool of talent to draw from. Like, oh my God. Well, that's it exactly. I mean, can I tell you how heartbreaking that one question was from the young woman who wanted to get into dev? Yeah, that was um, the next one I was going to ask. Okay, well, go ahead. Yeah, let's. Um, so she said, uh, let me find it here. Any advice for ambitious female devs scared of being influential enough to attract attention, the attention of trolls? I mean, wow. Yeah. <laughs> can Can I give you some real talk on this? Yep. Yeah. Um, you're look, qualified. you are. I mean, yeah. Look, you are. You're at a crossroads, and mm. I don't know what it is about my personality, or I do. I, 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 I can take this. I can take this, and I have to tell you, I'm always a little surprised, but not judgmental, at how many women I know that don't want to take. Um, and I'm, I'm I have one of them. Yeah. Okay. Of them. And that's, yeah. you know, it's, I feel like, do you think Steve Jobs ever sat there for a second worrying about like people critiquing him or dealing with this stuff? And I think to a certain extent, if you want to be great, I think you have to push through it. And I think it's this entire like sewer of sh- double standard shit that you have to crawl through that is completely unfair. But I also think it's like, look at Anita. She's on the top of her game. Like she does work. I would love to do that work. I mean, I'm not going to go into that field, but I deeply respect her. She didn't get that respect serendipitously. She got that respect by standing up and getting out there and saying, this is what I believe in. and I'm not going to be shouted down. And she was writing on her Twitter. She's had three bomb threats lately. My friend saw her at XOXO and there were security guards everywhere. She's put up with that on her way to greatness. And look, this is real talk. You have two choices here. There are any number of women in the game industry that choose to have careers here by not making a fuss. And when this stuff happens, they keep their head down and you know, like you could be the victim of something really, really, really awful and it could end your whole career and you're spinning the roulette wheel with that. But plenty of women get along by just not making a fuss. So it's it's sad that many women do choose to do that. Then you have loud, noisy women like me. So, <laughs> you know, um, but the loud, I, noisy women right. like you make it better for the other women. Yeah. You bring change. It, yeah, I'm I'm proud to do that. I was I was thinking about this today. I really mean this. It's gonna sound emo, but I really, really mean this. I am if I have the smallest impact on this industry and I can make it better for women here, I am fucking honored to stand up here and like do a little bit of that work because I love and respect the women here so much. And if for whatever reason I can, I'm built in a way where I can take all this sewage coming out of me. I'm happy to do that. I mean, it's, it's an honor. So wow. I don't know. You're That's, my shield. <laughs> You're my shield. Well, you know, you, you did 
the advice I was going to give her is to to make female friendships. Yep. The, the yeah. women who have your back in this industry are the people who are going to get you through this. Um, I, I have been blessed. I have been incredibly fortunate to make some absolutely wonderful friends, male and female. Um, but there's just sometimes when the men in my life, you know, as wonderful as they are, simply just cannot get why something was so horrible. And I'm always grateful that there are other women there to, to be like, God damn, that is not fair. And that's bad. Um, and that's what I would say, because that's what you, you tweeted about that the other day, didn't you? Like help is not coming. Yeah. Yeah. So, so women have to look out for themselves, you know, and you do have to be strong when I'm like, I don't think I can handle it. I mean, I really don't. I had a very hard year this year. I'm not going to go into it, but a lot of things in my personal life happened and you know, it takes a lot of energy to deal with that and then to deal with things at work. And then when you have Twitter on top of that being a source of, of stress and hostility, it can get really hard to, to balance all of that. Like, where do you go when you have stress in every other arena of your life? There's, there's not a place that's where you can just separate from all of that. So for me, I, yeah, I, I don't know how you do it, Bree. I, I honestly don't. I don't think I could. I can I tell you a story about that. Do it. Um, so my my own journey to breaking down my own privilege. Um, I want for you to imagine. I think this is about two thousand and four. I want for you to imagine waking up in a hospital, and I want for you to imagine your hands shaking and being so unable to control your hands from shaking enough that you cannot even sign the pen to to go into the hospital. And, you know, I've I've talked in the past about, you know, the events of my life that kind of led up to me leaving politics and, you know, going back to school. Um, but it's like I've had very difficult life experiences. And I I can tell you truthfully, like dealing with the death threat is something I can deal with. Or dealing with this obloquy, I, I mean, it's, I, I don't know. It's, I've faced harder stuff than this, and yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you either you you have that grit in you or you don't, and I yeah. think some some people just they're not prepared to handle it. It requires a certain amount of sacrifice. It requires a certain amount of strength. It requires a hell of a lot of badassery. And some women just aren't willing to make that investment. And I, well, I yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because I don't think we should be asked to, I guess that's what it comes down to. And I think there, you know, women surprise themselves, men surprise themselves. I don't want to make it a gendered thing, but people are stronger than they know. Yep. Yeah. You know, yeah. and sometimes until you're tested, you don't realize that you've been tested a lot. It sounds like. So you've got, you can dig down and find that bedrock core of who you are and, and use that to, to defend yourself. And I think some people go into the industry kind of soft and they, right. they've yeah. never been tried. And so their first encounter with these things this onslaught of negativity, it, it destroys them. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that one thing the world does is mm -hmm. it destroys and devaluates feminine truth. And look, my approach is approach that's very 
valued in our world that, by the way, also values masculinity more than femininity. And there are entire range of people and personality types and ways of dealing with conflict that are entirely valid. Um, my co-founder, Amanda Warner, is someone I deeply respect. Amanda is not going to get up and just say F you to HN. She's just not built that way. But she is deeply diplomatic. And there have been situations where I've not been able to ha handle I've not been able to handle it as artfully as she has been able to, because she has a more, I think I would call it a feminine style of dealing with things. And the world devaluates that point of view. And I want to tell you, I don't devaluate you for being that way. There are any number of ways to be an ally and to, to do your part in this. We need bridge builders. We need educators. We need people that are silent allies. We need people that, you know, we need people like me as well. And let's be honest, my job is the sexiest. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, but that doesn't make what anyone else does any less valuable. And I, I really feel strongly about that. So don't, don't feel devalued for your personality type. You're fine the way you are. We all have our strengths. We all have our weaknesses. If you study a lot about personalities, there are 16 basic types from the, the model that I personally subscribe to. And we all interlock with each other. Like we are all colors of the human experience. So right. yeah. I just want to put out there, I, I wasn't saying that I wasn't comfortable with how I was. I was just saying sure, that, sure, sure. That, that my... Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, I just wouldn't be comfortable filling your role. Sure, um, sure. Yeah, but I'm perfectly happy with me how I am. I, I'm not talking about you so much. Thank I've heard you. that a lot from people. But yeah, yeah. I think you're awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to say, too, you know, as someone, I, I, so I don't have a brief story of, you know, waking up in a hospital after something very traumatic. But, you know, I was very, very highly bullied growing up, like, like painfully bullied. Like I remember in high school sobbing, begging my mom to take me out of school and homeschool me and um, like really painful, painful stories. And then my early 20s weren't really, early, you know, easy either. Um, so I, I, I kind of I know where my limits are and my limits are different from Bree's. But unless you've been tested in in our culture, many people in our society, you know, in, in the U.S., um, people haven't been tested. So unless you've been tested, you don't know how strong you are. And I guarantee you're probably a lot stronger than you think you are. No, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I, this is so weird. I feel like you guys are trying to, like, feed my ego. And I think almost anyone in my life would tell you that is not an issue. Oh, no, no, no. I think we're talking more to the person that's writing this. Okay, so you're saying you to the woman who asked the question. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. Okay, yeah. I'm taking I, it off very... It's all about right, me, right, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's me. <laughs> clearly, clearly you don't no, need to feed your ego, Anna. Right? I, <laughs> I, I, perso I personally have dealt with a lot of women that... um Personally, I have women that write me a lot, and maybe that's what you're reading into this, and say, I feel guilty that I don't speak up on this more. There's actually one woman I know. She is a 
genius at a certain extremely esoteric and highly paid area of computing. And she feels really guilty because she's as pissed as I am about the stuff that's going on, but she doesn't want to make herself a public figure. And I tell her, I'm like, look, you're awesome the way you are. You are a beyond well-respected person in your field over there. I know you've got my back. Just go be who you are. Be what feels naturally to you and cut yourself a break. Women are so tough on ourselves. We are so, it's like the exact same thing that makes us freaking aware of what we do and how it affects others. It's the reason that women or you know, young girls are more socially aware in school. That same part of our brain that's hooked up, that's not hooked up in the same way for, for guys, makes us, a, we're so hard on ourselves, unfairly tough. And it's, ah. Oh. Well, I think part of it is that whole looking at ourselves from the outside a lot. I mean, because I think women are sort of trained to do that. And, you know, that's it's a crushing view sometimes. So yeah. I, can, I can understand that. But I, I think those women in particular don't understand the value of just doing your job well and being a role model in, in that sense. Just women staying in tech, toughing it out. And leading by example are, you know, that's invaluable. That more than anything else, just showing young girls who are growing up that women do those kinds of jobs, that it's not such a, a pit of hellfire in tech that women can't survive it. I mean, which is, I mean, people who aren't in the industry come to me and, and say in hushed voices, oh, I hear it's terrible in the gaming industry. Are you okay? How do you survive? I'm like, it's, you know, it's not that bad. You know, it's bad. You know, there are problems. There are things that need to be resolved. There is sexism. There's misogyny. There's racism. There's all kinds of problems here. But there are those problems everywhere. It just seems like it's sort of a crucible sometimes in, in tech because of, you know, people have written articles about the whole nerd culture. So I, I think it just comes to a head in a very obvious, invisible way because we're out there online, and that's what people see. I have my friends who know absolutely nothing about gaming couldn't name a video game for me without like thinking about it for 20 minutes. You know, know that there are problems with women. I'm putting that in bunny quotes uh, in the games industry. So I, I, I have to say, I have a little bit of a different perspective though, because I've worked professionally as a journalist. I've worked professionally in politics. Uh, you know, and I've launched a startup in a different field. And I can tell you, in my opinion, uh, I think tech is drastically worse than other fields I've worked in professionally. And I think games specifically is amazingly worse. So I'm not trying to say that there's not good here because I enjoy making games more than any other profession I've had. And I like the people here. Like the first time I ever felt like I belonged in a group ever was the first GDC I went to. And I was like, holy crap, these are people that think like I do and approach problems in the way I do and care about the things that I do. It's my tribe. So I love this industry and I love the personality types that are drawn to this industry. But it is my perspective that it is drastically worse here than other industries. Well, fair so. enough. You know, and I, I guess my point is that it, it's not unrelenting misery. Like I go in every day and it's, you know, pushing a stone up a hill. And at the end of the day, the stone's back at the bottom of the hill, you know, but I, I come to the games industry from bartending. Um, so for me, sexual harassment was like, 
you know, it was a daily occurrence. That was part of the job, you know. It's like people are going to say crude things to you. That's just the territory. So I I had a pretty high tolerance for that. And maybe I, I'm a little numb to that sort of thing. But, I mean, Brie, you know. You know yeah. some of the things I've been through in this industry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, and there are things I'm not allowed to talk about. But, you know, it, it's been bad. Um and I still don't think it's as bad as some of the other industries I've been in. So there's that. But I'm not going to let our industry off the hook. It's fucking bad. And I'm, I hope you hope you keep that swear word in there. Yeah, I was <laughs> I was planning on marking this as explicit anyway. So okay. just just go. Yeah, it, it's, it shouldn't be like this. I mean, you, you shouldn't have to sort of strategically plan your day or how to allot your energy. Or, you know, collaborate with your coworkers to get your voice heard. I mean, that sort of thing. That just shouldn't happen. So let's get through some of these questions. Okay. So let's see. Let's There's see. one I really, really want to talk about. Which one? The VR question. Ah, okay. So how do you think the coming advent of VR is going to change storytelling? Um, do, you want to, do you want to address this first, Brie? Nah, I feel like I've talked a lot. You can go first. Okay, so... I'm really intrigued by the possibilities of this. Like the more I was thinking about this question, I'm like, yeah, things are going to change. I mean, we don't even know how yet, right? I mean, we don't even, we don't have that tool. No one's writing games for it yet. But for me, I'm curious to see if these experiences that we sort of have a remove from when they're happening to an avatar on the screen, if it feels like we are actually experiencing them ourselves, how much will be too much? Like if you're walking through a game and you're killing people, will, will we be able to keep it that graphic? Or is it going to start really affecting people? Will people start getting things like PTSD? I mean, assuming we can get this realistic enough, I guess is my point. Um, you know, it, it, will we have to dial back, you know, the graphic stuff? Will it be a great tool for empathy, for example? I mean, because you're going to be in someone's shoes. Well, we, I, I just, the possibilities for emotional connection, I, I feel, are going to be amplified. And I think it's going to necessarily change how we write these interactions in the game. And I'm tremendously excited about that. Um, and I'm excited sort of because it's the next step up from where we are with the medium now, which is, you know, you have these two kinds of storytelling, which is, you know, on the one hand, The Walking Dead, which is kind of like an interactive movie. You know, and on the other hand, it, which is great. And obviously people respond to that. You know, people cry over Clementine and, you know, people make real connections with the characters. Um, but then you also have games like Journey, right, with emergent gameplay where you're, everyone goes through the same story, but everyone has a different experience. You know, you see people writing these long entries on the journal page about, and then my friend and I climbed to this dune, and then we did this thing. So they're creating their own story within this framework you've created for them, even though they're within this narrative structure that overlies the whole thing, which is the hero's journey. So that's what we've got now. So I'm, it's kind of going to be interesting to see which one of those will work the best when we move into VR with that sort of immediate connection. As you can tell, I'm super excited about just the possibilities there. I, I couldn't agree more strongly. I think it's the only technology that matters. I think Nintendo can mess around with two screens or three screens and, you know, PS, you know, PlayStation can put out a next-gen system that has better programmable shaders and a little more RAM. It doesn't matter. I think VR is all that matters. I do have to say that you're looking at it from more of the narrative side. 
I think about it from more the engineering side. And it's like, um, I think we're going to have a lot of procedural, like physics, uh, physics kind of simulates, uh, like if you drop a crate where it's going to bounce or whatever. Uh, I think we need systems like that desperately. I think the production costs are going to skyrocket for VR. Like right now, if you see a cutscene, like if you were to zoom out of a cutscene in my game, Rev60, uh and look around like if the camera's if the character's not on camera like she might be convoluted or bent over like the exorcist like it it doesn't matter if they're not in frame because we only animate what the camera is pointing directly at so yeah right so if you have to raise that so you can look at anything anywhere anytime you know increase scripted events so you could go anywhere anytime um, I think that's going to get extremely expensive extremely quickly. So um, that's not to mention you. Yeah. yeah, you have to make real people at that point too. I mean, can you imagine, like in a in a game like that, that is really a, a simulation of reality, going up to an NPC that has some of the dialogue that I've encountered in in some games? I mean, that would be kind of laughable. Yeah, I, yeah, it'd be I very think. disturbing. Just if they kept repeating it and be like, who is this crazy person? I just think those behaviors that we take for granted in, in games when there is that sort of 2D remove, I, when you're actually experiencing the game in the first person and you're living it, they, they are going to become exaggerated. We're going to realize how bizarre some of these things that we accepted without reservation really are. Couldn't agree more. Okay. What what do we disagree on? Could that be a question? Like, <laughs> I what do, yeah. Well, we just dis- we disagreed on the prevalence of sexism in the industry. How's mm-hmm. that? Okay, yeah. yeah there, there we, we go. go. We're enemies now. <laughs> <laughs> Nemesis. Oh, oh Brianna Wu. <laughs> okay, so were there any other questions that were that were burning on this list for either of no, you? No, no. Let's burn them up. We burned them oh. up. All right. Um. I'm looking. Uh, when are we making a game together? I wasn't going to ask because I was like, we well, should. what if they're already talking about this? We have, oh we have discussed it. We have we have in vague terms, um, but oh. that, that idea has been floated out there. So I would love to make it because like all I care about is narrative. Now I care <laughs> about narrative. I mean, it is. It's all I'm attracted to in games and right. it's clear like I don't know if you played Rev Sixty. I've never actually asked you that, but I like if you read the to. script, really, uh-huh. really, uh, like I, I feel like yet. a I feel like a hack because Aww. I, I, I did. I wrote this incredibly detailed script. Like Rev Sixty just started from a script, and I think it's a really good script. It was reviewed very well, but it's like I literally sat down and I said what are the beats of 24 that I like? And I studied 24 scripts and I kind of mixed it with my background for getting my first startup funded, which required me writing 17 scripts to get my funding. And, you know, so I feel bad because like you talk about writing in such technical detail, it's clear you have a lot more of an overview with it. Whereas I've always just sat down and said like, this is the dialogue I care about and let's go. And I don't know. I would, I would be very interested to have you critique my game at some point. I I think I'm very good at dialogue. I think I'm less good at overall 
character, like the plot of the story. Like we had to bring Carolyn into our studio to fill all the plot holes I left. So, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've seen your writing. I know you're a strong writer. So I, it's probably better than you're giving yourself credit for. But I'm dying to play it. Like I have this list of games I'm I'm trying to plow through while I have this all this time. Um, but it's a very long list. Um, really? yours, yours is at the top. Yeah. I mean, because when you're working on games, you just don't have as much time to play them. You know how that is. Oh, you God, know? yeah. And you just get behind. And so people mention a game. I'm like, oh, I want to play that. Or I'll hear about a game that has an interesting mechanic. And I'm like, I wonder what the storytelling possibilities for that are. You know, so there are things that I, I want to check out. And well, I have there's to also honest, the thing. It's like, yeah. what if I don't like my friend's work? Like, what kind of conversation is that going to be? Like, I've had um, that happen. Too, I mean, so. I think you're someone who can handle criticism. I think yeah. I think we've, yeah. we've revealed that. You know, and I think yeah. I revealed that I'm a pretty diplomatic person most of the time. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yes, I don't think it would go poorly. Um, but yes, person who asked that question, it is a possibility someday that we just will know. collaborate. Just yeah. know when. I, I'm just very sad there's never going to be a Blood Dragon 2 that you wrote. <laughs> like, I really... Like, uh, oh man, never say was, never. never. Oh my god, that would be so good. <laughs> well, let's just not really. What was her name? Doctor Veronica. Oh god, what was that woman's name in it? Oh, you got me. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to imagine that. That would be great. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, they brought back Grim Fandango, right? So yeah, anything could happen. <laughs> I'm looking up her name right now. Doctor <laughs> Veronica, darling. Yeah, Dr. Veronica Darling. So I yeah. want a version of Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon where <laughs> Dr. Veronica Darling is the main character and is saving a Sergeant Rex power cult. Wow. And I want you to write that and have it be awesome. And I want you to use every 90s cliche <laughs> ever. Wow, well, that I could probably do. That wouldn't yeah. be an issue at all. <laughs> well, you know, dreams do come true sometimes, Brianna. Um, are, are not very likely, but... <laughs> But but never say never, yeah. I will just pull my massive industry clout and just get yeah. Ubisoft to give that to us. So. Oh yeah, I'm. They would be more than happy to relinquish an IP. They've got so yeah. many. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I'm looking at the the questions here. See, so we can bang all of these out. I. I think we've covered a lot of it, honestly. We have. Um, yeah, I don't really want to get back into the the Gamergate mm -mm. thing. I feel like we've made our Peace. our position on yeah. that clear. Um, I, I will say I do spend a lot of time fielding questions from people about it. Um, and I wish I didn't have to. I guess that's what it's really coming down to for me. Um, they the movement has gone on much longer than I thought it would. Yeah, uh, it's. I, I mean, I, I won't go into anything, you know, about their stated goals or anything, but I, I feel like at this point, it's pretty clear that they, it's got an unsavory reputation. If I was a member of that group and I was sincere about journalistic ethics, I would really want to think about how I could most effectively achieve the goals that I wanted, you know, and for me, I would like to see a sincere effort made. I mean, I... The companies purchase good reviews is just a truth of the industry. You know, if you have a problem with that, then you should absolutely do something about it. But you're you're not going to achieve that 
by by boycotting Gama Sutra, which is a, a website for devs. I, I I'm still kind of my mind is blown about that one. Um, so so yeah, I mean I. I, I hope the people who are sincere about it, the people who are moderates, who are tend to be the ones who talk to me on, on Twitter, you know, and I, I hear genuine confusion and distress from them that the things they want to achieve are not being taken seriously. I had someone the other day say that the problem is that people like me won't back their their movement, and that's why it's not getting legitimacy. And I'm like, if that's what you're waiting for. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, good luck. Start good breathing luck. now. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I and like give me something I can get behind. You know, give me a movement with with clear goals, you know, that attack what everyone journalists and devs alike have told you are the real problems. And you know, we can talk. But I, I think things have reached an impasse at this point. I, I don't think either side is listening to the other side anymore. And I would just really like this I would really like this to end, guys. <laughs> can, can we just end it because I'm asking you right now? Because that's very it's a very effective tactic I've learned. Um see, I wonder if the I wonder if the information age has like we have this pattern over and over through history where we invent a technology, then we discover the consequences of it. And I remember things getting really heated in the nineties when we started having the internet. And I remember like Rush Limbaugh and Fox News coming to fruition in that age. And yeah. <laughs> I just, I just, I wonder if a consequence of the information age is we all have these, these perspectives given to us that feed into the view that we want to have. And I think if you mix that with staggering income inequality, where people are just everywhere all over the globe genuinely unhappy because we can so barely survive most people i just wonder if it's a consequence of the age we're living in where it's not just games it's politics it's movies it's your phone it's it's this it's that and we all are just angry about everything all the time it just it it just seems to be where we're living does that yeah. make sense yeah. yeah well and my whole thing when this all started so so the timeline from my perspective as someone who's kind of you know because of people like you I'm kind of games industry adjacent but I'm not really in it I work in the tech industry and you know but it was like Zoe Quinn getting harassed and doxxed and then from that came oh well no 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 there are these journalistic integrity issues and I remember standing here or sitting or whatever and thinking well, what fields does not have journalistic integrity issues? You'd look at politics. Well, there's a lot of issues in that. There, you know, anywhere you look, there are issues. So why is it why is it like this in something as insignificant as gaming? You know, like like gaming is important and it's real and I love it and don't get me wrong, but you know, when you pit gaming versus what's going on in Washington or at the UN, what's the big deal? Why is this, why has this turned into what it's turned into? Because it's not just a game. It is, it ties into employment. It ties into what the identity of women is going to be in our society. It says something, it, it, it's striking on male privilege. I mean, this is not just about games. and. You know, I 
I actually don't agree with what you just said. I think this is incredibly important. And, you know, I think I, I think the game industry potentially going forward, I, I, I think this is going to end up being the most powerful medium for storytelling that's ever been invented. Agreed. And yeah. I, I just, I, I think it's important. And I think it's striking those emotions because it's, the consequences are high. Yeah. And I don't, to backpedal a little, I don't <laughs> think gaming is unimportant, <laughs> but like when, when you pit this against you know, the people who are making policies right now and the people, you know, and, and their influence in in journalism and, you know, Monsanto's influence over politicians and, you know, that kind of thing. That's where I think that that gaming is maybe not necessarily priority number one. Um, however, well, I, mean, <laughs> well, I was just going to say there are important things happening in games, you know, and and I do think that games are important. I'm not saying that they're not. You know, I, I play games a lot. But, um, <laughs> but, you know, I just, I don't understand. I guess I don't understand why it turned into this pit of vitriol that it turned into. I, why games did? Or why, why gamer, the movement Why did. this movement did. Because that's how it started. I, yeah. I, I mean... Those are its roots. They, I mean, I, I've seen a lot of revisionist history recently, people trying to claim that, you know, the, there were accusations of misogyny after the, the the movement had gone on. But that's simply not true. Right. It's you know, and Zoe Quinn. Right. And yeah. when, when the agenda of the group is as announced and as betrayed by their actions, I am judging them by what they are doing as a group, not by what they're saying or what they're spamming me with or these screeds that I see everywhere. What they are doing is trying to silence people who are talking about these social issues, period. I mean, that's what it comes down to, you know? And I I was looking for that article earlier about uh, what percentage of news articles in the press have actually discussed sexism and, and misogyny and feminism in the past year. And Morgan Ramsey did that wonderful database search for us. And in the course of a year, less than half of a percent of the articles that were released talked about any of those subjects. And, and that's too much for these people. Half of a percent of the discussion is too much and they want to drive those voices out. And I think when you think about it in those terms, I, you have to understand how completely unreasonable it is. You, you know, I, the only thing they can be going for at this point is is to silence it. Because if you get rid of, you know, they've already gotten rid of Jen Frank. She's left. Maddie Bryce has left. You know, I, people I've talked to are have one foot over the fence and they're ready to go if things don't resolve, you know, felicitously, let's say. You know, and those voices will be silenced like that, that half of a percent. Like I've already seen a change in tone from a lot of publications um, about these issues. A lot less, a lot less positive and supportive, let's just say. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so it, it's, it's effective. I mean, they are effectively silencing a lot of people who wanted to discuss about these things. So I, it's discouraging. Can, can I give an opinion here though? Absolutely. I, I, I think. I really, maybe it's just because it's my life and trying to assign bigger significance to this, but I, I personally think that today is going to be a really important day in 
Gamergate, when we look back at it, is a historical event. Because today is the day, like Boston.com uh, just posted a piece, Huffington Post just po posted a piece about this, Polygon, Kotaku, Joystick is going to put a piece. I'm not holding my breath on IGN. Destruct yeah. Oh, I haven't seen the Destructoid yet. Yeah. Um, I, I think that now there is a pattern. And I think what has happened to me is so over the line that I think there's no reasonable person that could look at that and say, this is okay. I mean, you're clearly seeing some unreasonable people, but I think anyone that is a professional in this industry, I, I think this is going to be a turning point. I, mean, I hope it is. I could be wrong, but yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, this people are going to have to make a choice at this point. I mean, I think what happened to you is, is such a, a clearly beyond the pale, unacceptable thing, you know, that, that coupled with what you see the movement doing, people at least have to start asking themselves, why there's such a big difference between what the stated goal is, the journalistics ethics thing, and what they're actually doing as a movement, which is going after women in the industry and men who support those women and driving women from their homes. I mean, that's two women now in, with one movement that have been driven from their homes by, by threats. And so a month. I, yes. Has it been only a month? I think. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. It has to be longer than that. No. And oh, that's the Jesus thing. Jesus Christ. It feels right. like a year. Right. And oh that's the God. thing. And Brie, I hope you're right. I, I really do because I am I am so tired of this conversation. You know, and not that me being tired matters, but like it matters. Just but it's like, you know, wake up and and, and see, like like you've been saying, Anna, just this is what's happening. The moderate people are not the ones holding the attention here. It's the, it's the extremists and the ones who are using this opportunity specifically to harass women and their supporters. And, and it, it's just time to let it go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would be willing to discuss, you know, ethics, even though as a dev, I really shouldn't even be involved in this, you know, but I, I would be willing to talk Why? about it. Why? I mean, it's totally legit to talk about the the ethics of the the people that cover you. I think. I I, yeah, yeah. I, I just feel like the onus is on them to a certain extent. You know, I I think that corporations are always going to try to buy placement and they're going to try to buy reviews and stuff. And I think there needs to be, as in any place where journalism exists, certain standards. I can get behind that idea. I don't have a problem with it at all. But, you know, my job is to, to write good stories and interesting stories and make people want to buy those games. You know, that that's what I should focus on. And that's what I would love to be able to focus on. At the end of the day, like someone asked me, what is my end goal for this industry? You know, what is the end goal for me in it? I want to be free to write the kind of games that I want to write for an audience who is interested in that kind of thing. And that's it. And be able to devote my full energy toward that. That's that's my dream. It seems so incredibly modest, doesn't it? And yet it's so hard to achieve. I think we're going to achieve it. I, I'm not saying we're not, but it's, it's been a rocky road. It's time. Right? It's time. It, I mean, there's been a, a lot already to, to get to the point we are, and I'm nowhere close to being able to spend all of my energy on, on creative processes. So, yeah. 
I don't know. I mean, I, I think we're all on the same page. We're tired of it. I actually, Brianna is rejuvenated. She's ready for round two. Um, <laughs> Um, which is which is awesome. I mean, I I think what a lot of people forget about what's going on is that a lot of women in this industry have been fighting this battle for years now. You know, this is nothing new. This is something we've been dealing with day in and day out to a certain extent. I mean, in my case, for ten years, and about that long for you, right, Brianna? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you were tired, you know. And there are people who have just started doing this, and they're they're all energetic and young, and this is a new fight for them, you know. And I I think they just can't understand how battle weary you feel when you're having an argument with someone for the literally thousandth time about something, and you're thinking, didn't I already say this? Have I already said it? And it all sort of blurs together. Yeah. So yeah, it's really true. Yes, I think we're all just a little winded, and uh, I hope, like you, Brianna, that we do get a second wind, and that we can all work together, and, and uh, should I give an inspirational speech here? We do a slow, <laughs> we do a slow phase. I think we, we slow just... clap, yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah, all right, I'm not gonna, sorry. I'm gonna wake up tomorrow, I'm gonna kick some ass. Good. Like, that's Good. just that simple. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. for the record, I mean, we have, we have your back. I mean, you may be on the vanguard, you may be out there, you know, fighting in the trenches but don't think for a moment that there aren't hundreds of people who support you completely and believe in you and think you're amazing because we're here and if you need us for anything i mean this is the main message i was told to give you you know that everyone hopes you're okay and they're sending you good wishes and anything you need from them just let them know so I, i i am truly fine uh the police are on top of this and i you know, I'm just going to get back to my life as best as I can. So I, I do have to say this. I My one worry out of all of this is, like right now, you know, there's a story about this in Polygon, HuffPo, Destructoid one. I just read. That one's really bad, by the way. Um, You know, it's it's everywhere. I, I really, 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 really hope that I'm not known as a victim from here on out. Because I think anyone that knows me professionally or knows anything about my personalities that's the last thing in the world i am i'm a freight train i am not a victim and that's why it's so weird to read all this press about me where it's describing me that way i don't know i i don't think you come across as a a victim at all and i think people who are going to describe you that way or would have described you that way no matter what you know so i I wouldn't worry about that too much i think anyone who knows you knows your personality uh it's very clear (laughs) Yeah. 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 All I've seen on Twitter is support Twitter, Facebook, private messages because people know that I know you. You know, to some extent, people are like, you know, tell Brianna that, you know, we're here. You know, we support her. We hope she's okay. And um, yeah, I don't, I'm with Anna. I don't think anyone would ever, ever, ever dare to think of you as a victim. Oh. Yeah. It's very sweet. All right. I've had. Yeah, I've had yeah, three you've hours had a of day. sleep, was, guys. You've had a yeah. day. Oh, yeah. my God. Well, go. Yeah, Brianna, I'm so <laughs> glad you're okay. Like, there was this little knot inside of me of concern. And in, until I heard your voice, like, it just oh. stayed tight. But now it's it's come undone, so I feel good. <laughs> yeah, I thank, appreciate that. Yeah. Well, you get yeah. some sleep. I don't want to keep you another moment. So. Yeah, I've got to go to Comic-Con tomorrow. And, oh, my God. Yeah. I will talk to you guys later. Okay, okay. Thank okay. you for the podcast. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much for coming. Hey, Bree, how can people find you? 
Oh, uh, just go to HM. <laughs> go to HM. Running uh, it all. Go to Reddit. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, they 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 know the real me. Um, either that or just go to Twitter. Uh, Space Cat Gal. Okay. And Anna, how about you? Um, I'm hopefully not on any of those places, <laughs> um, but they can find me either at my website annamcgill.com or on Twitter at nixie uh, c y n i x e. Okay. Thank you both so much. I am so thrilled that I had the opportunity to talk to you oh, both. Thank I just, you. Next time I talk to you, Anna, I want yeah. some Dr. Veronica Darling fanfic. Can you please <laughs> write that for me? Can you please write me some Slash? I, I appreciate that. Oh, you want Slash? Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a different story. Okay. <laughs> okay. We'll talk about that. Okay. <laughs> I'll talk to you guys later. All right, ladies. Bye. Bye. All right, and you can find the show on Twitter at less than or equal. If you have feedback, suggestions for guests, would like to be a guest, please go to less than or equal.com and fill out the contact form. And if you have a few minutes, it'd be great if you'd leave a review on iTunes. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, on an internet near you, I'm Aline Sims for less than or equal. <laughs>